would you like to know? Well, you should listen. Zoom. Cron. Week in review. Listen closely. Zoom. Cron. It's gonna help you. Then think for yourself. What the hell happens? I'm gonna tell you. From my in perspective. In the Zoom Cron. In Zoom Cron. Week, week in, in review. review. Right now. Here's an independent journalist, Travis. William, William Skink Matier. Okay, take two on starting this Zoomcron week in review for the week of, oh, let's see, the 27th through the 31st. Getting the numbers right, here is your host, Travis William Skink Matier, independent journalist here in Missoula, and my co-host sitting with me, trying to take my negativity. Allie, say hi. Hi. Oh, That's... come on. Let's not shake heads. Um, I am in a negative state of mind. Um, Ali, I explained to you the, what the black pill means. And so the black pill um, is sort of a play on the red pill, blue pill. And the red pill, blue pill is sort of the play on this sort of like dichotomy that we exist in in this material world. Black pill means you're sort of like pessimistic. Um, April 1st is a day in which jokes can be played. Um, for me, I have a history with this date not just as a poet that understands it's a cruel, cruel month and a cruel season, actually, spring, ironically, since the light's coming back and uh, people should be in a better mood. Sometimes that doesn't happen, but lots of things are outside of our control. Today, we're going to talk about some of the things we can control, and that's um, words that come out of our mouth. So I'm going to try and control my words, Allie, and thank you for being here. I really appreciate you being here because as I talk to people um, sitting in Helena, waiting to give testimony, giving and asking for feedback. Feedback is your presence is much appreciated in this uh, conversation that we have. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And that was from a city council person, a listener. Nice. I know it, it was, it was nice. Um, me, not always nice. And somehow it's through taking screenshots of tweets. And I hate to say that that's how we're going to begin Allie, but that's where we're going to begin today. What do you mean? I saw a sign and it did not open up their minds is the title of a, well, a post about a tweet, but it's not a tweet. It's actually more about signs and how there are some new signs here in Missoula. They are by the new bridge, the Bear Tracks Bridge. These signs cost a lot of money to design, $6,500 from the article that I hope I linked to in the post, but someone ripped out a sign and then tossed it down a set of stairs by the bridge, a picture went to Twitter, and because of technology, people can opine on the sign and what happened to the sign after it was designed. And well, sadly, um, well, not so sadly, you, you can actually be in a Polynesian island setting. You can be biking around with some wine, pineapple wine. I'm not trying to make this all rhyme. I swear to God, it's just as a poet, I sometimes can't help it. And Tom Winter, somehow Tom Winter has escaped winter. He's in a Polynesian island, and he's sad that there's a sign in Missoula that got destroyed. It'll be replaced, um, but that's where we begin. I don't like vandalism. 
and that's a good response because um, lawfully, vandalism does you know represent some unlawful behavior, and there should be some people held accountable. Later, I think we're going to talk about maybe investigations, limited resources. I might be getting ahead of myself. I might be not even in this week. We have so much actually to cover this week. I should just keep on moving. Okay. Is there anything else with the sign in, uh, in, in people's minds? Is it open to be virtue signaling about the horrors that happen to inanimate objects? Is it, is it what? Is it open? Is it the the is it a, <clears throat> the sign of an open mind that being upset over signs is something that can be expressed online? I mean, I would get upset if someone tore signs down. I don't like that. And I mean, vandalism generally is is really a nuisance. It's true. It's true. Okay. I'm, I'm going to not just dwell on that. So I think moving forward is something that everyone listening will appreciate. The next post, and I'm glad because that, that took no time. I'm, I'm trying not to rhyme, I swear. So the next post we have actually represents quite a, a pretty exciting thing that we could probably spend hours talk, talking just alone, tax increment financing. Sure. But we, we're not going to talk for hours. We're going to try and limit it to just the possibility that some legislation... <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think I said House bill, but I'm pretty sure it's a Senate bill. So SB 523 is something that got a hearing on Monday. And so we were in Helena. We yeah. drove up to Helena to our capital, our state capital in Montana. And it was pretty, pretty exciting to be in a room for over two hours waiting. We have we had some people that were involved in making the documentary Engins Missoula, which really covered this pretty instrumental public uprising against the use of this development mechanism um, wielded like a toddler with a butcher knife by the Missoula Redevelopment Agency, their unelected board, and the director, Ellen Buchanan, who was there looking sad and tired, waiting like we were in that tiny room, which got hot. And she tried to justify the use of TIFF in Missoula and, and beyond in other cities in Montana, but it just didn't seem to be flying with, with that chair or with that subcommittee, which was the local government committee. Sure. Yeah, it was a long wait for a bill. Didn't actually get heard for two and a half hours beyond the time it was supposed to be heard. And so there were a lot of people there. I was actually surprised to see the number of people who showed up to testify both for and against the bill. That, um, it's... <clears throat> Pretty interesting part of the support um, that, that was led by Jesse Ramos, who now works for Americans for Prosperity. He's all upfront about that work because that's kind of what it took to get this legislation formed along with Greg Hertz, the sponsor of the bill. And so getting into the details, um, maybe not something we'll, we'll do right now, but there is attempts to limit the urban renewal districts so that they don't extend for a long time. So sunsetting them earlier and putting pretty much any kind of use to a vote by the public in which these uh, uses of public funds might be directed. So um, cleaning up the criteria for blight, a possibility. There are some negotiations that are happening. Um, it's unclear exactly what final form of this legislation might actually make it into law. But just getting to the point for people involved, I know it was, it was somewhat validating to stand there in that space and to know in Helena, there was finally some kind of hearing. And as we listened, driving, looking at a real sunset, 
there was an actual sun going down. Um, we got to listen to the chair yes. grilling some other people from Billings. Um, there was a, I think, the use of TIFF for roof getting fixed, maybe for some elevators, paving parking lots. Um, it, it, to, to hear the people talk about the public benefit, because if you don't fix a roof, um, then that, that building might go into disrepair. It's kind of like this, this preventative blight, pre-blight sure. funding for infrastructure. It, it really did go, I think, beyond the spirit of what TIFF was meant to be as a tool that really helped the 80s downtown scene when it was a ghost scene because the Southgate Mall was in existence. Yeah, so could you describe somewhat the history of TIFF when it was used properly as opposed to when you feel like it's been misused? Well, the 80s is the favorite example for supporters that don't want to see the the mechanism <clears throat> just completely axed and, and destroyed and removed from all existence because during the 1980s, there was a economic flight to the suburbs, at least the way the suburbs exist in a, in a valley, constrained by mountains like Missoula is, in order for the, the revitalization efforts to happen, because Missoula was a town that was not discovered broadly by people with money fleeing their failed urban cities in the West Coast, um, Missoula was a different scene back then. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, pardon me, Jeff Badenoch was the director of the Missoula Redevelopment Agency back then. And seeing what is happening now, even Jeff Badenoch um, who was interviewed for the documentary Engins Missoula. Jeff Badenoch is someone that had to say enough is enough. Um, I, I, I think I mentioned to someone at Helena that the, the use for windows and stuff like that was still in use. And, and he's like, oh, the facade improvement program still exists. I'm like, yeah, buddy. Not just that, but workforce housing, land acquisitions. Um, I mean, a lot of stuff has been done under the auspices of TIFF, not to mention paying for consulting this, consulting that, developing a communication plan, expensive trees for a bank is one of the most recent. $700,000 going to a bank, first interstate or first security. I don't first know. First security it, bank. Okay. I'm glad you continue to remember which one. It all blurs to me at this point. So um, the, the use back in the 80s made sense. Um, the current use right now is, as I said in my public comment, like a toddler wielding a butcher knife. And the reason why I gave that metaphor is because in that kind of situation, you're kind of in triage. You don't just talk about the technical use of the butcher knife. You go and you take that knife and you're just like, no, 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 that's not how you use this. Okay. And that's kind of what it feels like the state needs to do because our local municipality has not been able to restrain itself. And that was actually pointed out by a lot of other people not from Missoula because preserving the tool for some means pointing out that Missoula is an aberration. Not necessarily so if you hear some of the Billings examples and Bozeman examples, but I think it's pretty fair to say, Missoula, you've been really crazy with that knife. The craziest, perhaps. Okay, we took a quick little pause because you got to keep your energy up and you have to make sure you're eating right when you're talking about tax increment financing. It takes a lot of energy to put brain power into this stuff that no one actually wants to think about in the public. And that's why it's actually pretty easy for the public to get fleeced by these schemes. Um, as my reporting over the, the weeks, months, even years has, has gone to show. So we're trying to steal ourselves, Allie and I, um, as we are having a conversation with you, the listening public, 
about what was going on in Helena and, and the rest of the week about TIF, because we're not going to be talking, Allie, just about their TIF, which is tax increment financing. There's a lot to report about my TIF, and that's Travis's impact fund. Yeah. So um, were there any kind of thoughts about what happened in Helena? I know the, the capital is a place that, that you're pretty comfortable in. Um, although it was a really weird location we were actually testifying in, like multiple doors. And then in the committee room, in the committee room, there's a lot of doors we went through and it was kind of, you get turned around when you're trying to find a, a restroom break because we were not really prepared to wait for two hours. Some of the people that came up in a van were older people. And we actually kind of speculated about not just, you know, taking time out of your day on a Monday to go to Helena. Sure. Those people really were troopers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure we are, were we able to confirm songs were sung on the on the van ride up there. I don't know, but it takes pretty committed people to drive all the way up to Helena or ride all the way up to Helena to testify on a bill that, for the larger public, is probably a rather obscure bill about tax increment financing. I'm not sure it's the most popular topic. So around 70 people actually um, showed up and then signed up to comment via Zoom. That was Mm -hmm. a pretty large number. Um, One of the reasons why we had to wait is because a bunch of bills were scheduled for that day um, starting at 3 o'clock. And there wasn't the expectation by the chair that so many people for and against were um, were going to be actually showing up. So, Yeah, it was a really good hearing i thought the chairman of the committee seemed pretty knowledgeable about tax increment financing and pretty passionate in the asking of follow-up questions to people from billings great falls and various other communities Um, so something just happened while you were talking and it made me think of tax increment financing what so you were, were kind of cold. You were fe- feeling a draft and you didn't have the resources immediately um, to find any warmth. And so part of the, the skim and give, you know, if I was a beneficiary of tax increment financing, maybe I bought an extra hoodie and I have a hoodie then that I can give to you at my discretion because I am a beneficiary of a scheme that, that skims from the general fund, which now, which leaves you cold. Right. Um, and I'm actually saying that because there's a video coming out sponsored by AFP that is going to show a, a ski hill analogy for tax increment financing. But I'm also very glad that you now have a hoodie because you were, you were kind of cold. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, thank Ellen Buchanan because she is the one that actually provided that hoodie for me because I was blighted. I appreciate Ellen Buchanan because she has been in service to our local government for several years. We, we don't like seeing her, her tired. We don't like seeing her run down and maybe sad. I felt tired too. It's true. That it's was true. a long wait. It was. It was. Um, I'm kind of scanning the post to see if there's anything else we might want to, to touch on. Um, I might just actually, well, I was going to explain in part when I'm tracking some of these local articles about the history of TIFF. Um, so, for example, Emily, um, her last name has changed. It was Brock. It was Bentley. I'm trying not to call her Broccoli. Okay. I'm, I'm really trying hard not to call her Emily Broccoli. Yes, please don't. Emily, not broccoli. Um, she she's once upon a time director of the fairgrounds and literally begged for TIFF to come to the county. Why? 
Um, well, let's just uh, let's take a look at this article. So um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I'm going to go back here. Here we go. Missoula's Urban Renewal District 3 Tax Increment Financing District has grown over the years and now includes Southgate Mall and a pedestrian bridge over Reserve Street. Missoula County Fairgrounds Director Emily Bentley believes it is time for that district to grow again. The fairgrounds is now excluded from URD 3, which is the Urban Renewal TIF District in Midtown, and we would like to be included in the TIF District. We are embarking on a major redevelopment here at the fairgrounds, and the county has allocated money to do that. We would like the city and the Missoula Redevelopment Agency to be a partner. So I don't know if you could tell from how I read that. That was Emily's quote, Emily, not broccoli. And lo and behold, that was 2017. I don't know if that actually happened, but um, when you go on to another uh, little quote from a different article, you got this. Missoula County intends to hire Fairgrounds Director Emily Brock, formerly Emily Bentley. I don't know why it changes so much, but for a newly created position called the Director of Lands and Economic Development, the county commissioners discussed the transition on Thursday with County Chief Administrator Officer Chris Lounsbury. Not all the details are worked out yet, but Brock will continue to oversee the fairgrounds. Essentially, she'll combine her current position with new duties that include overseeing dun, 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 special economic development districts in the county. Hmm. So there are potential carve-outs in, in the legislation um, for county use of a similar type of TIF thing, but we're going to have to keep a close eye on what's developing. But any kind of restraint on the way TIF has been used, I think, is a victory. Why should taxpayers care? Well, taxpayers should care because when there is a lack of police response the way I've been experiencing in some of my recent experiences, which we'll get to, it's in part because you have a general fund that has all of that incremental increase of tax value within the district going not to the general fund to fund police, fire, schools, but going to the Missoula Redevelopment Agency. So when El Cazador gets $50,000 for their windows, when, <clears throat> let's see, the building next to the Radius Gallery, which is now owned by the owners of the Radius Gallery, gets $100,000 for facade improvements, and you're wondering why you're calling 911 and it took five minutes at 1030 at night um, for res uh, police response. You know, you're, you're wondering how, how thin, like you got your resources spread. How much can you afford to have all of this siphoned money at the discretion of a non-elected board? So. What is the problem with an unelected board? Hmm. Well, when you don't agree, what do you do? Even when, when you have elected people, it's like, what do you do? Let's say you have, a, you have a sheriff that got elected, and then he doesn't want to communicate beyond just like being this character in a Wild West movie. Well, you got problems, but we don't want to get distracted. Are we seeing the sunset of tax increment financing abuses in Missoula? That's the title of the post. I think the answer is yes. You do? Mm -hmm. I think we are. Okay. We are seeing the sunset. You know what, though? You know what happens with, with suns? They come back. They, they, they come Every back up. Every 24 hours? Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a cycle or something. Moving on. Are you excited about my tiff? Yeah, you have to explain more what you mean. 
Well, see, explaining is one thing. Showing evidence of impact. Show, don't tell. Yeah, that's that's what's happening with my AA reports. AA. Well, AA, it's not just a place people go to stay away from the drink, right? My AA, although I also stay away from the drink, my AA is assessing and addressing different areas around our Zoom town, which is Missoula. A squared. It, it, it could be A squared. Do you want to hear about my first report? Yeah. So quantitative data, numbers. Qualitative, qualitative data, stories. Have that in mind. Okay, I'm trying to I'm trying to burp here. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I know it's very unsettling and unprofessional. So, in trying to be professional, I want to give a report, and that's going to be the little gray section underneath an image that I use. And the image actually is interesting because it's a shape under a blue tarp underneath the the Reserve Street Bridge. And I found out later I think there was a person hiding underneath that tarp. A bit unsettling, but let's get to the let's get to the numbers, shall we? March twenty eighth, two thousand twenty three. I spent the time of nine thirty a.m. to eleven a.m. Went about ten miles along Reserve Street, kind of North Reserve in Missoula, Montana. I did four business contacts. I had two government community contacts, no houseless contacts. And so, explaining some of the differences between the data, I went into describing what I was actually doing looking for inactive sites or active sites, assessing if a amount of like short-term kind of cleanup can, can be done. Part of this is broken windows, which is weird because I actually talked to a pawn shop owner about broken windows. What do you mean by broken windows? It's a theory back in the day used basically not all that wonderfully by the New York Police Department specifically, but um, the idea is if you just allow vandalism, which we established you do not like, Allie. I don't. If you allow that stuff to just happen and you don't have a response that stops it, then it sends cues, sometimes visually, to perps or would-be perps to commit more violent crimes. And so you want to clean up the trash. You want to fix the broken windows. You want to not allow vandalism to just go unchecked, right? So oddly enough... What I'm doing with the initial ask, so my TIFF, I'm, I'm looking at a GoFundMe request of $5,000. That's in part because our community influencers, they wanted $5 million in a mill levy, okay? I have seed money. Well, I have some pledges it's starting to come in, okay? But I had an initial pledge of $500. Okay. So we got some fives going on, okay? I'm paying myself $20 an hour. That's my wage. And I'm going to go out there before April 10th. And the, and the key to that date, it's not like a QAnon date in which um, Trump flies in on a white-hatted dragon and burns all the pedophiles with I'm, righteous flame. I'm pretty tired of those false I know. dates. Well, and you're also not on Twitter, so you don't know that I've already warned people I have a poem that I've been writing um, as I was waiting to start recording today, and I'm going to share a poem later. But now I've I've done confused myself. What was I talking about before I got into the Trump you illusion? You're talking about Trump and white horses and dragons, actually. But before that, oh, something I think about my um, tax, not tax, my uh, Travis's impact fund. So, um, oh, I, I should not get too clever and then start distracting myself with clever illusions. But, um, anyways. I was talking about broken windows. Help me out here. We're talking about cleaning up trash. 
We're talking about impact. My impact. You're talking about dates of despair. April 10th. Thank you. Good Lord. Well, you don't know. there were, in, the, in the QAnon world, April 1st, right today, there's something happening with I the banking. I keep forgetting that it is April 1st, I know. honestly. There's something happening with the banking sector, and we're supposed to find out come Monday when we call our banks because QAnon told us to. Is that a to. joke? It's is not. QAnon pulling a joke? See, I, anyways, we're trying to avoid all that, um, and I just I stepped into this dumb landmine rhetorically, and I apologize. April 10th is an actual date. Here in Missoula, Montana, when the Johnson Street Shelter closes, and so that's a, a seasonal shelter that's been open the last three years under winter shelter funding, because that funding is going away, this might be the last time the Johnson Street Shelter is open, there is a preparation by people that work at the Pavarello Center, there's a preparation by other people in the community that are sad about the, the $5 million mill levy not voting, not getting voted in by voters. So there is an attempt to say, hey, public, when you see all the tents popping up and when you see all the craziness just emerging and blowing up like it does seasonally this time of year, every year, when you see that, it's your fault. You said no. This is on you, public. And so my effort as a narrative warrior that's trying to engage in local narrative warfare um, against a, an establishment that uses narrative control of information like a weapon, I'm getting out before April 10th using my impact fund, who are, or, you know, impact fund being supported by locals. And I'm going to kind of create this counter narrative before April 10th about what's going on out there. I'm also doing outreach, as I mentioned, and so I'm talking to businesses, I'm explaining that there's, there's going to be some volunteer cleanup stuff happening, and so we're going to be removing the trash in from inactive sites primarily at this point, and we're going to be having some conversations if there are houseless folks using some of these locations. Um, I'm ensuring that behind the scenes I'll be able to provide some referral services in order to connect people that might be able to get some help. So... So what is your goal? Right. That was asked of me by a commenter who doesn't seem to be a commenter any longer. I wasn't trying longer. to be facetious. I was genuinely asking for the listening. I public. know. The goal is public safety. Um, and in doing so, providing a narrative counter to what is going to be the heavier narrative coming from the influencers, which is the that our community somehow deserves what's going to be happening, um, that our community deserves to feel unsafe. Um, and that we can't have more sort of cross-jurisdictional conversations about why a sex offender um, went from assaulting someone last September, two people, two actually MDT workers last September, to then living right under the Russell Street Bridge and getting ve very verbally aggressive with myself and other people. So um, Todd actually is back in jail. I don't know if you, you saw that. Yep. I did not. Um, he is back in jail. I'm going to take a look and we'll see what's going on with Mr. Mr. Todd. Um, but I think there is a question of public safety and Parks and Rec, they're limited to what their jurisdiction is in terms of camp cleanup. Um, a lot of the, the difficult conversations are not being had in a more public forum. I like to see myself as someone that, that can have some of these more difficult conversations because I am actually going out there and talking to people and can report back. One of my contacts on my second report, which we'll get to, was actually someone that lives in an apartment complex. And that was a fascinating conversation. So something that you're talking about reminds me of something I heard a long time ago, back when the POV was going to move locations. Well, and what's that? 
where am I supposed to put this homeless shelter? It was homeless at the time. It's houseless now. But tr truly, it, it was a question of these are people. They're human beings, oftentimes with families and sometimes with mental health issues and or substance misuse problems. Okay. And so it's not something necessarily you can just throw money at and, and watch the problem go away. That's not exactly... Uh, it's it's not that easy and I just wonder because this it's a different iteration of that same question like what do we do how do we help people who find themselves in these situations and um, it, and I'm not saying that that money is not required absolutely it's required to, to fund these programs that are helping but I still would like to know from anyone who can give a solid answer to me why within the existing budget there cannot be room to fund these programs why was a crisis mill levy required so i'm going to fast forward um to march 30th because along what you're saying um there's another article i put out the title of this one why is the missoulian withholding the name of a violent suspect wielding a machete so you were the one that brought my attention to this article, Ali, because so much is happening. I almost kind of let this one slip by. There was no name to the suspect that was brought into custody on March 22nd after wielding one machete. I think two machetes were ultimately found. Um, after looking at the jail roster, I think I'm pretty certain who was brought into custody. And after finding the name, another story pops up, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was searching around. And so the article takes a look at, uh, what is his name? Helio de la Hose. De, Helio Leal de la Hose. Very mentally ill, it seems like, to the point where municipal courts have assessed his inability to access any kind of treatment programs here in Missoula. Because of that, there were four misdemeanor charges that a, a municipal judge, Eli Parker, tried to send to district court. District court tends to deal with felonies, although it seems like there is some situations in which you know, I'm sure there's cases where there's misdemeanor and felony charges, that kind of stuff. But the district court didn't seem to be very happy with Eli Parker, who was elected recently to his position. What wasn't happy in, in the Senate back, ultimately, uh, this man was discharged back to the streets and provided a not very safe situation for the public that saw him wielding his, uh, his machete. He really seemed unfazed at the non-lethal use of force. Kudos to the police for not shooting him. I mean, really, kudos. Sure. But um, what's going on with this, I think, is just highlighting the lack of services, truly, for some people that really need it, and the cost of passing the buck. Because one of the, the justifications Eli Parker gave for trying to get this man's case out of municipal court was the cost to court. So we are running up against financial costs when it comes to how the court functions or dysfunctions, as it were. Interesting. I think continually, I think this is a much more complex issue. Um, and I am the first to say that I don't have all of the answers for it. I do think I appreciate when they, when, when our government engages people with lived experiences and actually gets it from their perspective, because that's the only way I, I think 
true assistance can be provided. So the, qual the qualitative data from my first report before we kind of move on, because I'm jumping around a little bit, um, the four businesses, I mentioned talking to the owner of a pawn shop, that was one business contact. I actually outreached three hotels along Grant Creek because historically, from my experience, there's been some pretty extensive camps right along the creek that have been difficult to address. One of my conversations with someone working at one of the hotels was pretty alarming in terms of having to have a coworker pull a person out of the creek in some, in some manner because the person was having, quote, a mental health crisis. Um, the young man told me it's a real problem from his perspective and was pretty excited to hear there could be some volunteer efforts doing some preliminary cleanups before major developments happen with shifting in over 100 people that have been currently accessing the Johnson Street Shelter out into the community uh, with questions from the District 9 court judgments, whether or not law enforcement can actually hold people accountable for uh, certain types of illegal, quote-unquote, camping. So there's going to be some questions about that. Other things that I'm raising questions about in my report, well, the fact that there is one woman who uh, was on probation and claims she bought meth at a Missoula shelter. She's in jail. And I also wanted to remind readers that there was a man arrested for selling meth at the Missoula authorized camping site. That site is now closed. I took some visual images in the video footage you can now see. And I also wanted to report that including gas mileage, which at 65.5% miles driven, I think that's the 2023 reimbursement rate, um, $56.50 was the cost of me going out and doing my thing, writing up the report, because I also include that time, writing up the report. And that was the cost of my impact fund of my first outing. Nice. For $56.50, I say you're getting big bang for your bucks. And you can give me more bucks by going to GoFundMe, Travis's Impact Fund. That's my tiff. And we're moving on. So, well, there's a professor out there and he's getting a lot of circulation because he has a graph. It's a very simple graph. I don't like math or graphs. A lot of that stuff kind of just bugs me. But if you're trying to find out something and you want to know how much you have to fuck around, this is the, what the professor is trying to educate people on. And I like educating people as well. So this post, um, after <laughs> sort of a, a forced education session, when I was just trying to get home, Allie, is all I was trying to do. Okay. Try, oh, sure. I'm trying to get home. And then you're like, okay, why is he calling? And then I'm calling you yeah. like, hey, did you see the sirens down your street? Yeah. You're like, no. I'm like, well, let me tell you about Francis. I didn't know Francis's name at the time. All I knew is that there was a young man who was very impaired and he decided to fuck around. Well, he found out. Um, that's going to be actually part of my poem. I'm going to read to you later. But for this post, which was posted on March 30th, we got a nice little image of the professor and his graph. And then we have a nice little image of Francis and his mugshot. Yes. Yeah, Francis. So I'm trying not to get too involved in investigating the scenarios in which I find unsafe behavior that I'm coming across. March 7th, I also had to call 911 because a different young man. No, I'm sorry. Old man. Right. An old man named Wally. Yes. Different Wally. Don't we love old men named Wally? So this guy was just a random old man named Wally who was driving 25-ish down Reserve Street, swerving sometimes into the lane where the oncoming traffic is coming. 
This guy didn't have a law enforcement response. Well, I mean, there was a 911 call from me, but there was no police response. He was able to get back to his residence. But I talked to Wally about being unsafe. Um, Francis was not in a talkative mood. He, he was more interested in throwing spare change at me. But mm. very interesting when you talk about how you find out things, you know? Do you think he found out upon arrest and booking? You know, like like you pointed out to me, I think he appeared in front of a judge that I am pretty familiar with. And he's pretty fair. That judge is the pretty fair. The next morning. The next morning, yeah. So I think he started the process of finding out. I also take significant sort of uh, synchronicity meaning from his vehicle, which I, I'm very happy to have gotten a screenshot of. Not a hmm. screenshot, a picture of. Sure. On the screen that is our holographic world. But yeah. Well, hopefully people stay safe on the roads and it's never a good idea to be intoxicated while driving. There's a lot of bad ideas we're trying to bring attention to. And if you go to my Vimeo, I think you can, some people can actually subscribe or follow me on Vimeo because I just got some notification that someone did so recently. But I actually have a, a nicely edited video about what it takes to find out. And, and I really encourage people watching that video because it's got some nice interspersed clips of people that have helped me find out about corruption in this town. Yeah. I know. So moving on, what do we got next? I think we had started talking about the next one already. So that was the why is the Missoulian withholding the name of a violent suspect wielding a machete? And I will just mention to J. Kevin Hunt, a longtime commenter, People might wonder sometimes how I'm less antagonistic as maybe it seems like I should be when he's saying I'm doing a hit piece on Eli Parker and why do I have such beef with this guy? Um, I, I calmly suggested he just follow some of the, the links because if you do some clicking, you can see more context. Like how Eli Parker, Jake Coolidge, the judge that I was referencing, and then uh, Jennifer Strino, I think, was the, the three judges that ran with very similar signage to the point where they got campaign, campaign complaints sure. against them. They ran with help from Westridge Creative. And so that is a bit of my contextual frustration with these judges. And now, um, also, I think it's just kind of hilarious how Eli Parker, on election night, had a homeless woman that entered his vehicle because he left his car unlocked. And he had to, he had to call 911 and, and had a, the police come and get the woman out. Interesting. I, J. Kevin Hunt wasn't wasn't happy that I uh, I mentioned that again, but I just find that to be very interesting. So to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about any of the three. Well, Eli Parker was a public defender, and right. I should mention there's legislation going on right now. Mistriano was as well, right? I, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Um, maybe even Parker it could Possibly be like a Coolidge as well. I, I'm, I'm not or, sure. I mean, yeah, exactly. Coolidge is what I meant to say. All three may have been public defenders. I think at least two. Um, at the state level, there's a chance that legislation could make make it through that would um, limit how many cases public defenders have to take on. So if which it's, makes sense to me because the system is overloaded. The system is absolutely overloaded. It's a it's a fascinating triage step that might be taken and something I think we should kind of keep an eye on. So many things happening, though. Let us move on. We have the shift in TIF is a big win, but the race... A shift? A shift. A shift in TIF. Mm -hmm. Does that mean it's a shift? I think so. What does that mean? I'm combining two words. Oh. Wait, but... <laughs> sorry. The race is a marathon, Allie. Do you understand how, how far we have to run to see victory? 
a long ways. Okay. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to point out in this post is the fact that the TIFF, okay, is so integrated into our conversations about the use of public resources that we actually have um, this fund that Ellie Boldman, another person with a very dramatically transitioning last name um, from year to year, there was a there was a sort of TIFF expenditure through a, a tourist tax dollar program called Main Street Montana. So Main Street Montana benefits smaller communities. Um, Ellie made mention of trying to preserve this tourist tax money because it's on the chopping block at the state level. And she said, this is not Missoula or Billings or Bozeman. And it's curious, years ago, Miles City used this tourist money to create a urban renewal district for themselves. Maybe these smaller communities can use the tool appropriately. We also though have some shade, major shade, being thrown at the Missoula Redevelopment Agency from the opponents of the lane reduction scheme. So one of the articles that I uh, squeezed into this week of reporting is the article talking about the back and forth, the letter war. There's a, a war of letters going on between the mayor's office, Jordan Hess and the mayor's office, and opponents of the lane reduction plan on Higgins. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? It is actually pretty fun. Um, the, the excerpt I will read for you, um, this is the one I selected, but really you should read the whole article. It is pretty fascinating how feisty these opponents are starting mm. to get in their letters. Two now, two letters. So I think this is from their most recent one. Who, who is they? Um, who are they? Who are, who are they? We are going to look for that. We're going to look okay. for that. So I'm going to read an excerpt from this article. The signatories wrote that they are confused why the Missoula Redevelopment Agency is managing these projects because much of the impacted areas are not in urban renewal districts. The business owners feel that the city and our elected representatives, not the MRA, need to be more engaged in this process, they wrote. While there are good people at the MRA, it is an unelected board with unelected officers that are not accountable to the business constituency. They again requested a big town hall meeting that's open to the public to address their concerns. They also want a pause on planning efforts and ask that the Montana Department of Transportation pause the application process for the federal grant. Quote, we again request that the city and MRA stop conducting small group meetings in which attendees, attendees are handpicked presented carefully crafted messages and the findings are synthesized by a city and MRA that appear committed only to the existing approach. The letter concluded, it is amazing that they are actually getting nitty gritty into criticizing the strategies, the communication strategies being deployed by the yeah. city and MRA. They don't want the small group divide and conquer. We're going to give you this kind of cell and a different cell for a different group. Um, I think it's actually pretty impressive how, how frustrated um, the, these businesses are now that more businesses are actually realizing this lane reduction plan is happening because of the recent coverage that's sure. happening with the media. Um, there is more, more opinions that are being formed. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's litigation being created at this point. Do we point. have any idea the number of businesses who may have signed on to those letters? Um, I'm not sure yet. L let me, why don't you, um, if you have anything more to say, I will kind of scroll through the article and see if I can find that. I think it's interesting that businesses feel emboldened to be talking about it. There obviously isn't somewhat of an imminence because this, this plan is actually coming into motion. So it's not 
2009 and we're thinking of something in the near dis you know the distant distant future it's the near distant future and so people tend to get riled up possibly a little bit too late in the process but they nonetheless do this is definitely true and 2009 is the seed of the idea of the lane reduction scheme the the actual project is known as sam they love acronyms and it gets a little ridiculous but there are three components part of it is also um, the changes on Main Street and Front Street. Is, the one is, ways? Yes, that is going to be a part of it as well. A lot of changes, people have fatigue just in terms of the, the changes happening downtown. And I'm looking to see if I can download this PDF version of the letter so that I can see what we got here in terms of... Okay, let's see. I don't know if we actually have a list of businesses in this communication. Um, oh, let's see. Did I find it? Supporting businesses are listed in rough geographic order from south to north. Okay, so Electronic Sound and Percussion, Penwell Building, uh, Wilma Theater, Wilma, Wilma Commercial Owners Association, Scotty's Table, Logjam Presents, Hammond Arcade. Okay, these must be supporters. Hold on. Um, response, response to a letter from Mayor Jordan has stated March 14th in an email to the Missouri Development Agency. Are all hold on a second. Yeah, I have not seen this letter, so this is news to me. Um, again, we respectively request the city. Okay, we're gonna take a quick pause and assess this. One moment. Okay, so we are back. Uh, we'll do a little bit of editing to kind of compress, but not lose the amazement and astoundment that is currently happening um, as you are listening. Because this letter, which I'm going to read in full now, the, the amount of businesses that signed it, it's kind of hard to believe. And you're going to have to listen to that list at the end. But first, we're going to go to the date, Wednesday, March 29th. This is a response. That to was a, just two days ago. Yep, yep. Um, so this is a response to a letter from Mayor Jordan Hess dated March 14th and an email from the Missoula Redevelopment Agency dated March 21st. Um, both correspondences are attached as Exhibit 2. Ooh, it sounds like legal language. I like it. We are writing to express our disappointment with a response from Mayor Jordan Hess dated March 14th, as well as emails sent by the MRA to some downtown business owners dated March 21st. In their responses, the city and the MRA disregarded our previous request for a detailed presentation to explain the combined impact of the one- Front Street and Main Street conversion plans, two, Karis Park redevelopment plan, and three, Higgins Street diet plan, referred to in this letter as the combined plans. Instead of responding to the request for details of the combined plans, the city and MRA have opted to conduct small group, quote, listening sessions to better, quote, understand our concerns. The downtown business community views the meetings proposed by the MRA as unnecessary, and likely unproductive. Whoa. The downtown business community has already expressed our concerns to the city in prior communication, both written and in conversation with the mayor. Our concerns are summarized below. One, the specific number of downtown street parking stalls that will be eliminated as a result of the combined plans. We request specific parking studies and specific and detailed site plans. It should be noted that some of us have been told by MRA consultants that we can expect 20 to 25% of street parking on Front, Main, and Higgins to be eliminated, a fact we have been unable to verify. Whoa. 
Wow. The traffic, the traffic impact of eliminating lanes on both Front Street and Higgins Avenue. Specifically, we would like to see formal traffic studies that demonstrate this will not have a negative impact on traffic and that the changes will not negatively impact our customers' ability to effectively travel to our businesses. Three specific plans that show all bike lanes that have been added downtown under the combined plans. We want to understand how many bike lanes are being added and what the proximity of those bike lanes are to other existing bike lanes on other streets or, or riverfront trails. Further, we would like to see specific studies that show that the current volume of bicycle traffic downtown justifies this investment and consequently justifies the elimination of vehicle lanes and street parking. Four, economic impact studies that clearly demonstrate how the urban planning concepts incorporated into the combined plans will benefit downtown businesses. Specifically, we are looking for case studies that show like-sized communities in cold weather climates <laughs> um, and how these types of pedestrian and bicycle-centric urban planning theories have worked. We would like to see detailed data and real-world real world case studies. Okay, and then continuing on. Given the potential magnitude of the combined plans on our businesses, we feel these requests are reasonable and justified. The downtown business community has concerns that the current combined plans will make it more difficult for our customers to travel to and park near our establishments. We are also concerned that a plan with such an emphasis on pedestrian and bicycle modalities does not adequately consider the climate of Montana. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. Where were these people during the other lane reduction oh, conversations? Goodness. We'll get to that. Continue. Yes. I'm just a little mystified at this moment. They are here now. Allie. I, I hear and we will hear the list of who they are because the at combined the end. plans are what amazing. OK, so with our concerns articulated above, most of us have decided to not participate in the MRA small group listening sessions and once again request that instead of conducting yet more meetings, the city provide downtown businesses and property owners with the, with the above requested information. As stated throughout, we simply are requesting that the city provide us with more detailed information so we can evaluate the impact of the combined plans for ourselves. There's no need for meetings to understand our concerns when they are articulated above. Damn. Yikes. Lastly, we continue to be confused why the MRA is managing these projects. Much of the impacted areas, so this is from an earlier quoted piece, uh, much of the impacted areas are not in the urban renewal districts, nor are they located in blighted areas. This project does not seem to align with the mission or scope of the MRA and is creating angst and confusion among businesses as to why the MRA is leading this effort. The business owners feel that our city and our elected representatives, not the MRA, need to be more engaged in this process. While there are good people at the MRA, it is an unelected board with unelected officers that are not accountable to the business constituency. Uh, we're getting close to the end. As stated above in, in our prior correspondence, this planning effort needs to better engage the downtown business community in a meaningful rather than superficial way. We also need to have greater involvement from our elected representatives. We, as a group, are wary of how the city and MRA continue to divide downtown businesses into small groups and present carefully tailored and sometimes inconsistent information. Additionally, we are concerned that the MRA and the city, in our view, are allowing the parking and traffic plans to be influenced by climate change political ideology. Wow. Rather than effective transportation and parking planning. Lastly, we believe this process needs greater transparency to all businesses, not select focus groups in which handpicked participants are presented carefully crafted messages regarding urban planning concepts that may or may not be suitable for downtown Missoula. 
Again, we respectfully request the city provide in one town hall meeting open to the public the answers to our concerns outlined above. We again request that the city and MRA stop conducting small group meetings in which attendees are handpicked, presented carefully crafted messages, and the findings are synthesized by a city and MRA that appear committed only to the existing approach. We feel it is essential that all interested downtown businesses hear the same message and are purview to all questions asked by their fellow businesses and property owners. We also request the Montana Department of Transportation pause the application process and related funding until the city adequately addresses the concerns of the downtown stakeholders in the manner in the manner outlined above. Wow. Mike drop. Are you going to lead read the list of businesses that support? I had to take a drink of coffee letter? after all that. I'm yeah. I had to sip the caffeine, which I'm definitely that, going to make sure I, is Liquid Planet coffee I, after I, that. I have a lot to say after that, but I would really be interested in some of, if not the entire list. Okay. No, no, the entire list. Okay. So supporting businesses are listed in rough geographic order from south to north. We have, and I started reading this. I'm not sure. I'll probably edit that part out maybe. Um, Why? I think the shock and awe factor. <laughs> you're, you're right. Right. So let's get back to it. Elect <laughs> from adds the a dose of realism it's true it's true from the top electronic sound and percussion penwell building wilma theater wilma commercial owners association scotty's table log jam presents hammond arcade the camino bank of montana bank corp of montana holding company florence building second set bistro whippersnappers soul city dry goods montana rx compound pharmacy alps insurance uh, Michi Ramen Bar, Sakitomi. I didn't know those were different businesses. Okay. Um, 132 and 134 West Front Street, Top Hat Lounge, Groove Solventless. And I just have to say, a lot of these are owned by Nick Jakota, like I, I 10%. thought you were going to say that. Um, Stockman's Bank, Montgomery Distillery, 145 West Front, uh, which is, I guess, Lake Bed Properties, LMG Security. Uh, 100 Ryman Avenue, Notorious PIG, Grizzly Hackle, Drivefly Apartments, Cranky Sam's Public House, Stables Wine Bar, Paoli Law Firm, uh-oh, The Rhino, um, 132 Higgins Avenue, 140 Higgins Avenue, 207 East Main, Indie Building, um, Ella Home Goods, 131 West Main Street, Zip Auto Buildings, Attic, um, DCI Engineers, Reds Bar, 222, two, I can, uh, 208 Ryman Street, which is the Badlander Complex, the Badlander Bar, Locals, which is a downtown business, the Golden Rose, uh, Import Market. Sounds like some sponsorships. Karma Gilligan, right? Liquid Planet, um, a bunch of people on West Broadway, uh, Downtown Pawn and Gun, Bell Pipe Shop, Nelson Brothers LLC, Zara, Zara Gallery, Lucy Building, the Simons Building, Hellgate Cyclery, Lewis is a Home, Sova Partners, Five on Black, Pangea Bar and Restaurant, Stave and Hoop, Speakeasy, Nest Vacation Rental, Angles and Vokers, Cloth and Crown, Owls and Vicks, James Bar, Iron Horse and Grill. And that's that's it. Are you saying these are the local businesses we should frequent? You know, I'm surprised that there's actually even that many businesses left in existence downtown to sign. I, I actually this, was shocked because is that not most of all? So I thought Whippersnappers was gone, for I'd example. I'd like to but, see wow. the list of businesses not on this list. So um, Are from what any? I saw at City Club about this lane reduction plan, this is a this is a much different scenario with these businesses signing on to a letter with that strong a language. Right, because at City Club it seemed. The, you know, there were a few 
out of sorts businesses that were a little perturbed, but everybody mostly was getting along with it. To me, it seems this is different because the combination of the great uh, unveiling of the one-way streets got people's hackles up. That's my understanding. Yeah, I think the realization that's setting in about the amount of parking spaces that are going to sure. be lost is one of the, the big engines in the opposition. But Travis, they say parking garages. I know. So garages. they're going to they're be trying to... My, my suspicion is um, the old library is going to probably be, be located... It's going to be... They're um, going to put up a parking lot? Yes. They're going to identify... They're going to pave a, paradise? Yes. So I think what they're going to end up saying is because of this project that they're going to announce that there's going to be a net gain. The, trust me, there is a I narrative know. response coming that's more substantial. It's um, a gain than, of 100 at least parking spots, right? Wowzers. Well, um, we don't want to spend too much time in, in absorbing this, but definitely, yes, you want to you know touch on a few more things. I do, because there's okay. something interesting in this letter where they are talking about not wanting to participate in MRA meetings. I'm not sure that's the right approach. I think having a seat at the table is the correct approach and being vocal if these businesses, I'm not sure their letter will be heard other than on this podcast. But well, that's interesting that, I mean, how would I don't you... think disengagement is going to necessarily help. If there was an ability to get businesses more on the same page, then having small groups probably wouldn't be a deterrent. So an example would be um, film it, record it, and have whatever's happening in small groups get a public viewing. Um, that can be one way to maybe counter this divide and conquer sure. strategy that they seem to be resisting and saying no to the small group strategy of the city and MRA. And also, we can vote for our elected leaders, so I hope that these businesses take some Well, we think engagement. we can vote, maybe this year, maybe next, and that's, I think, how we're gonna wrap it up. Before we get to that, um, any more comments as we are trying to absorb this information about how many businesses are actually signing on to opposition to, um, what was the, the term? The plans or the, the consolidated plans? Um, what the was? combined plans. The combined plans, thank you, thank you. I think that there's there's so much on that topic we could go off on a lot about that at some point. Well, and, and like we're saying, um, the audience is listening to us take on this information in real time, and so clearly, genuine surprise. Next week is going to be very interesting. Monday, City Council, we are going to, in some manner, be covering this because this is definitely heating up along with all kinds of madness that happens in the springtime, yes. including camper fires. Oh yeah. I did not intend to cover a camper fire and take video footage that looked like some war zone dystopia in downtown Missoula, but um, AA number two, my second report from Travis's Impact Fund, which you can support at GoFundMe, uh, the North Russell area to the camper fire was an interesting, interesting path to take. It only encompassed a few miles, so I didn't put up a lot of mileage on, and I only worked, I think, for about an hour plus the hour to write the report. So I did do a little bit of business contact. I had some uh, government community contacts. Essentially what I did is I went to the other side of the river where three active sites were cleaned up last week by Parks and Rec. Just by walking around, I was spotted by someone living in the apartment complex. And they asked me, the person asked me if I was looking for something and I explained why I was there. Proceeded to have a fascinating conversation with someone who by looking at the trash, knows that that does send the signal to just disrespect the area. 
Um, so many people acting weirdly makes this individual talking to me feel unsafe from time to time. This person checks out something called Missoula Mugs, which I didn't know existed. This is a website that specifies oh, mug, shots. mug shots. And I thought that was That's interesting. That's a great name for a company, though. Missoula Mugs, I'm right? I'm writing that down. Okay, write it down. It is, it is some marketing out there that you can take on, maybe. Get your GoDaddy website going for Missoula Mugs. Sounds like this that idea is taken by this particular online website, which I'll, I'll have to check out. This person also checks out the jail roster and has identified... In his walks along the river, people from seeing mugshots and jail roster images. So kind of interesting conversation. The idea of volunteer cleanups was definitely something that this person responded positively to. The other outreach opportunities, Tamarack Property Management, that's inside the Equinox apartment complex right yeah. on Russell, kind of by the bridge on the north side. And then um, Homeward. So they're an, they're an organization not a, a business. So I include them in the government community contacts. I was actually on my way to seeing you. And I thought yeah. that stopping and, and taking a, a little bit of footage by the sleepy in would be a good idea. That's, it usually is, you know, the sleepy it's in, usually an interesting outing going to be gone soon. They're, they're actively demolishing. Um, demolishing it. And so heritage timbers involved in doing what they can to, to find what's salvageable. As I was taking my little video clip, the sirens started going East on West Broadway, East, on West Broadway. As yes. there won't to do. Towards the Pavarillo Center, as I was driving, wondering what I was going to see, I saw this, the, the plume of smoke. You can see all this in some video clips I strung together. It turned out to actually be a camper fire behind the Red Lion Inn. You sure it wasn't a tire fire? It, oh, wait, that's west of us. That's yes. west of us in a different county. But I'm bummed. So the tires may have burned along with the camper. So technically, you might be able to say yes to your not serious question it was a joke but <laughs> is it well no the real joke is it's hard to determine what's a joke <laughs> it's and april what's fool's not. <clears throat> day so who knows it is and it, it looks like we actually got some storm clouds moving in outside this window but the the camper fire was real it was burning um i got some real time but you didn't start the fire no it was always burning since the world's been turning <clears throat> good I did get some real, real sort of on the ground perspective though. So a person, I won't give identifying you know, features of this person, said that Chris was not in the camper and that was good because it was on fire. I did then hear some information from the, the Red Lion about a connection to the Johnson Street shelter. Enough of a weird connection that I, I felt obligated to pass that information along to a detective. So I did my due diligence, see something, hear something, say something, pass it on. Thank you, detective, for the, the nice little chat. And if something's going down in campers that burn, since there was a camper fire also by Grant Creek, this parking area by the, the gas station right off the interstate, you know, we just want campers to be safe. We want everyone to be safe. Public safety is my goal. Yes. So that was that. Interesting. Yes. Um, before we get to the poem, which is going to be the concluding issue... I wanted to touch on something that is cray-cray, is what the kids say, I think. What? We might not have a mayoral election. Oh, yeah. What? Maybe not. What happened with that? Um, well, see, here's the thing. Um, the state legislators don't like maybe odd years and want to move things to even years. Why? I, you know, I don't know. The problem is if they realize that our mayor was selected in an alleyway at two in the morning, 
that maybe there's an urgency with the the electorate in Missoula to actually you know have a say in who's going to be mayor, especially since mayor's going to have a say in uh, selecting the next police chief. They've already announced. Have they announced what? No, I'm saying the mayoral candidates mm. who have announced have already announced. So how can they delay the election another year? Well, and from the from the link in the, the post that will feature our podcast episode, it will read, um, while the filing period for municipal races doesn't open for several more weeks, six candidates thus far have declared their intention to run for Missoula mayor and an equal number have an eye on city council. But a number of bills before the legislature could impact this year's municipal races, including Senate Bill 420. Is that a joke? Because 420 is the filing date. Hey. And also 420 is when you smoke weed and like Hitler, um, no. which would move such elections to even numbered years. Um, that's insane. So here we go. Uh, former Mayor John Engen won his 2021 re-election bid, granting him a new four-year term. However, he passed away the following year. Jordan Hess was appointed to fill Engen's post until the next election, which is 2023. The winner of that election would then finish the last two years of Engen's term, which expires in 2025. But if the legislature moves municipal elections to even-numbered years, everything gets extended, meaning the next mayoral election won't happen until 2024. It's unknown if Engen's term would also be extended to 2026 or shortened to 2024, meaning the winner of that race would be granted a full four-year term. Uh, then we have the, the people here. So Hess has announced his candidacy for mayor as has city council member Mike Nugent and Andrea Davis, the executive director of the nonprofit Homeward. Oh, yeah, which I outreached. Homeward. Interesting. Yes. According to the Montana Secretary of State's office, three other candidates have also announced their intention to run, including Jacob Elder, Sean McCoy, and former Missoula County Sheriff T.J. McDermott. Dot, dot, dot. So. To be continued. To be continued. We now have a poem as a storm is coming, and this is going to be... What kind of storm? Well, you know, it's not the Trump storm, but you know what? This poem, just just you wait, okay? Donald just, Trump was not arrested. That's all I have to say about that. Listen to the poem. It's pretty darn good. And then there's going to be a song for listeners to listen to after that, and then it's the end until next week. So here's the poem. Allie, are you, are you ready? I'm ready. <clears throat> Your politic and game board mind is not a thing I seek to play. No peekaboo, you motherfuckers, will soften up your death door days. Let's Jeez. take Francis in his Jeep. Cherokees, they are not cheap. Neither is cop one, two, three, and four, five, six for disorderly. Francis Fiddler, what's that sound? It's what happens when you fuck around. Your eyes all crazed with booze and meth. Smile, Francis, your mug shot best. Finding out is so much fun, like the badges who play with guns. Politics, it ain't the same with sheriffs playing voter games. Sit back, kids. Let's watch a show. Ozarks, if you're in the know. <laughs> Redneck shoreline, a risky sell when you're pitching to cartels. Christian warriors on your rump. Fitting white hats onto Trump. Stop proselytizing Q. The kids are hiding under pews. Or running to the peacock flare of pecking birds with feather hair. Story time is now a war with Saturn closely keeping score. Isn't that fun? I'm not done. Electric ether, Tesla knew. No more time break, rabbits chew. 
through each other when skies collapse. Fuck this program. Our power naps. We'll charge intention to respond. Diana laughs, then kills the swans, carefully placed in color black to keep her breath from coming back. Sorry, necromancing rats. Love is soul, and heart has won. We are simply down here waiting for you to realize you're done. That is one scary bedtime story. It is, and it's also another mic drop because, boom, poetry. On April 1st, T.S. Eliot knew. So thank you, Allie, for sitting in on this week in review thank you it's the end of march now we are we're beginning april well it's the beginning of april yes and beginning you know let god sort all that stuff out right that's a long pause several blinks any final words to conclude okay proof of life say goodbye bye until next time You've been listening to ZoomCron Week in Review. Please tune into ZoomCron.com for articles. You can support me through a donation button at my About page. You can support the Travis Impact Fund. That's my tiff. You can contact me at willskink at yahoo.com. And there will be other ways to support the efforts here locally. Thank you so much. Adios. Politic and game board mind is not a thing I seek to play. No peekaboo, you motherfuckers will soften up your death door days. Let's take Francis in his Jeep. Cherokees, they are not cheap. Neither is cop one, two, three, and four, five, six, four disorderly. Francis Fiddler, what's that sound? It's what happens when you fuck around. Your eyes all crazed with booze and meth. Smile, Francis, your mugshot best. That's right, Francis. That's right, your mugshot best. Because, because, because. Finding out is so much fun. Like the badgers who play with guns. Politics, it ain't the same with sheriffs playing voter games. Sit back, kids, let's watch a show. Ozarks, if you're in the know. Redneck shoreline, a risky sell when you're pitching to cartels. That's right, it's a, it's a risky sell, guys. When you're pitching to cartels, that should be pretty obvious. That's pretty common sense, wouldn't you say? Christian warriors on your rump, fitting white hats onto Trump. Stop proselytizing Q, the kids are hiding under pews. Or run into the peacock flare of pecking birds with feather hair. Story time is now a war with Saturn closely keeping score. And that's not good. That's not good. If you know what Saturn represents, and the black cube. CERN, don't, don't break him out of prison, man. Electric ether, Tesla new. No more time break, rabbits chew through each other when skies collapse. 
fuck this program, our power naps. We'll charge intention to respond. Diana laughs, then kills the swans. Carefully placed and colored black to keep her breath from coming back. That's right. If you understand how they work, they don't want her breath coming back. Final verse. Sorry, necromancing rats. Love is soul and heart has won. We are simply down here waiting for you to realize you're done. <laughs> That's right. Love is soul and heart has already won. We are simply down here waiting for you necromancers to realize you're done. You're done. You don't need to play any rabbit games year 2023. You're done. Stop paying attention, attention, attention. Where your will goes, it gets bad, it gets better, it gets what you want it to be. Cause you're a maker, you're a creator, so you better be careful. Let's help each other. Elliot said it long time ago, April, the cruelest month, but only if you, if you do not know to take the energy, turn it around. That's a better way of finding out. Wouldn't you agree? Now, inspiration comes from all sorts of topics. You might not think a tax mechanism called tax increment financing, or TIF for short, would be a topic that would inspire song, but you weren't in Helena this week like I was, watching the interesting sausage that is legislation being formed, crafted before my very eyes. You didn't go to Helena to provide testimony about TIFF, and I guarantee you, you're not sitting down composing lyrics for a song. But I did this morning, and now I'm going to share it with you. Are you feeling bad? Do you need a lift? Would you like to have little sniff of TIFF? It will help you out. It will cover costs. All you have to do is genuflect to boss. Are you feeling mad? Do you need to hit this punching bag before you have a fit? Tiff will buy you trees and pave your parking lots. All you have to do is venerate the boss. Are you feeling sad? Do you need to quit? Would you like to grab the final slice of Tiff? It will disappear, burrow underground. Like an eyeless rodent 
running from the sound. You should feel proud. Killers of the plan. You can take a bow because you took a stand. Now it's gonna sunset. How they gonna shift? After we put handcuffs on their wicked grift. Oh yeah, I'm not feeling bad. I don't need a lift. I don't even need to have any sniff of tiff. Didn't help me out. Didn't cover my costs. You won't see me bend the knee to genuflect to any boss. I'm not mad. I'm not going to hit anything and pretend it's a punching bag. I'm not going to have a fit. But I'm going to educate. Yeah, and I'm going to keep it up. I don't trust the solutions until I can see it fill the cup. I'm glad you listened to the podcast today. I hope you listen to more. I hope you find a way to help finance my efforts in this information war. That's right. One of the posts this week shows how fucking around leads to finding out do you want to take a peek thank you guys i really do appreciate it all of the donations all of the help all of the encouragement even the bad stuff even the even the ones closest sometimes that say you can't do it you're doing it all wrong you're a hamster on a hamster wheel that was told to me this week just doing the same thing just running around, hoping there'll be changes. But they weren't in Helena like I was. Stay tuned next week for more ZoomCron Week in Review. I'm glad you're listening. Let's go out there and do something successful today, shall we? Yes, we shall. Travis Williams Skink Mateer, independent journalist of ZoomTown. Hey, that's me. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to find ways to support me if you have the means. One way to do that is my TIFF. That's Travis's Impact Fund. You can go to GoFundMe and find that fund and help provide the funding that I will need as I go out into the wilderness around the outskirts of Zoomtown looking for active or inactive houseless sites to do an interesting assessment to provide some qualitative and quantitative data in hopes that our community can start getting its shit together in a more informed manner. <clears throat> so if you'd like to help me, make sure to find ways to support me. You can also hit up the donation button at the About page at ZoomCron.com. And coming soon, there will be a Patreon opportunity. That's right. Exclusive premium content is coming, but for a price. Don't worry. The blog stays free. The podcast stays free. And we're going to continue helping educate you out there in Zoomtown, and beyond. Thank you so much. Until next time, adios.